Hello and welcome back to the Miss Mana Chen Show. I've got some new episodes for the 100 Mass Men series where I anonymously interview different men from all walks of life about how gender stereotypes contribute to our values of self-worth and self-identity. If you listened to the last episode on the pressure to follow the status quo, we dig even deeper in this conversation with an actor that puts on multiple masks for a living. Masked Man number 22 is the unbroken man. He shares his story about the journey in finding his true purpose, letting go of the expectations of others, and how acting was always with him. All he had to do was find it within himself. We get into some interesting conversation about the roles women and men play in his life based on those expectations they have for him and how he navigates around the definition of what it means to be a good man. Is there only one type of good man? Let's get into it. I hope you enjoy the show. So I was taking the classes at community, uh, UDC Community College to just get some credits and then to go to Howard and become a lawyer and that's it. Mm. And my mom made a suggestion like, well, maybe you should um, take some acting class. And so I was like, okay, fine. I'll look up back and I was like, okay, fine. Maybe it'll help me with my English, show my addiction and whatnot. I wasn't really thinking about in terms of creative at all, truly at all. It's, it's a trip now to think about that because I, I'm so in, engaged with it. But yeah, I took my first class sat in the room and the first thing he did, he, he wanted to add, he wanted to get two people on stage to do an improv. I know what improv was. I knew improv from hip hop, you know, put a beat on, beatbox, get the mic flow and it's, it's spit, but this was different, but the same way at the same time. And so I got on stage, I was like, hey, why not? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, he count down three, two, one action. And the woman I played across, she just went to a, like, was 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 just gone like she was she was she was in she was in the spirit and I was like wow what is this what is I was so confused I was taken out I didn't know how to respond but I responded to it and ever since then that moment that moment Amanda I I felt like I found my calling it created a road of like wow like throughout my life I've always been an actor I didn't realize like you know I was not being a class clown but she gave me the the opportunity to, to, to get in front in front of my classmates my to uh, get in front of my classmates, just a riff. You know, I was telling a story at a subject. I had a little idea what the subject was about, but you know, I could feel, you know, wh where the energy was in the in the class. And so, like, I knew how to make them laugh and to connect with them. And you know, that that was that that moment. Even though it was a long time ago, that that was a moment that I took for granted. And then then fast forward to this acting once class and be on stage and improv. It all connected. You know, and this was my purpose. And I've been in love with uh, acting ever since. When did that happen? When was that turning point for you? How old were you? Eighth grade, it was eighth grade when that happened. But then in college, I was about 22, 23. Yeah, about 22, 20, 21, 22, around, around that time. And yeah, it just like, <laughs> I don't know, it was like this, this natural, like this wind was like guiding me. Like it just felt, felt right there was no red flags no like oh my gosh the heart's alerting me it was like just go with the flow this is what it is i also came from the world of hip-hop i used to be a dance choreographer mm. and it's crazy i used to do a lot of 90s r&b or like really hard rap and um oh. and i eventually left the scene it just wasn't for me for a multitude of different reasons and i realized once I got into this podcast, I was like, oh, I still want to tell stories. I was just in the wrong format. Yes. So was that kind of how it works for you, where you came from 
a different type of like a musical space. And then you came into acting and you're like, oh, I'm still doing the same thing. It still feels familiar, but I'm in the right format now. Yeah. I, I low-key envied ballet dancers and their discipline. I was like, man, I wish I had discipline like that. Because of hip hop, you know, it's like the, the way me and my friends would study, like we, we would, we, we had to do it ourselves, you know, like I, I was really deep in it. Like, you know, I would study like how cats freestyled, like, you know, some of my favorite rappers. And, you know, like I listened to all those CDs, CDs, right? <laughs> and listen to these, these cats rhyme. And then I would like do research on like, who's this guy? Like all these different people, all these different lyricists, different perspectives, different individual voices that really like just spoke to me. Edgy had a structure, you know, when they said things, they hit you in the um, beat and it had flavor and it had style, you know? And all of those things now I look for in actors. Like, cause hip hop taught me how to speak up for myself, have a backbone, you know? My father was there, but really the father, fatherly influences I got were from hip hop, you know? And different men like that, like I would exchange and find different pieces. Back then it felt right, but now I had to forgive my father to move forward. But yeah, like you're absolutely right. Like hip hop give, gives you that insight. It gives you that that direction, you know, like to perform in front of people, to navigate on stage, to use a space, like all these things. Well, I'm talking about blocking, diction, intention. All this stuff is on stage. Like I was literally becoming an actor without realizing it, you know? Yeah, it sounds like that was all the practice you were doing to get you to the real stage, you know what I mean? How much was hip hop culture in and you're growing up, like how mm. much did it mean to you? And does it mm. does it mean more to you based on your location, you think? Man, let me tell you how, how real it was to me. I got a fight over hip hop. I got suspended over hip hop. Like I, I was in my in my class, my high school class. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I believe remembering this. This is such a trip. My high school class, we, we had to present things that were special to us. So I presented a song by Common called I Used to Love Her, you know, and I was really moved by this whole album. You know, like it was this hip hop, it was poetic, it was this helm and I identified with it. And so I played this out, this song. And then, you know, there was like some tension with me and another kid in the class. And like when the song was playing, he would laugh and do this and do that. But it was building throughout the time because it, it was kind of like an alpha, alpha type of thing. Like who's the big dog in the class? And so like he kept on keeping on. I was like, I was defending the song and then he took it to the next level and stood up and we got in each other's face and one thing led to another. And I was, you know, like I was fighting for the right to express hip hop. I was, yeah, that's how deep it was for me. Like, that's how deep it is. It was, it was ingrained. It, it is ingrained in me. But now that place has been, been elevated to God. But because I felt the same with acting, I'll defend it as intensely. But now for, the, now for me, it's with God. I feel that way now. But with hip hop, man, I would, yeah, I was, I knew by how you walk and how you spoke if you're an MC or not. I knew about how you move, your poise, like if you're really about it or not. Like I just knew. Like I didn't have to know that you rock. I didn't can look at you, looking you in the eye and see you got that killer's eye or, or that vibe, that energy. Like I knew that you could rhyme. I knew you were dope. I, I, I didn't have to hear you because I would know. It was beyond confidence. It was beyond just like a mask. It was just you knew that you were nice as shit. And so for me, it was life. You know, it was. Like people say basketball is life, hip hop is life. Like I would, you know, I would train myself like going down the street, freestyling about everything I saw that, to break away from that nerve of being afraid of performing in front of people, you know, just rhyming about everything I saw, like rhyming, rhyming, rhyming every day, like a comedian, 
like every day, don't make another joke. Every day, Amanda, like it was that important for me. It was in my blood. That yeah. sounds like, you know, a true artist that's just in it for the art itself, that it doesn't yeah. matter if it comes from you or from anywhere else, right? Like you just truly enjoy the art itself versus, yeah. you know, I think there's some artists out there that want to be somebody, you yeah. know, and how would you hmm. identify those frustrations of people that are trying to be something that they're not like where do you think that comes from I think it's you know they it's the need of being wanted it could become from that it can also be sometimes you know you may feel it's valid when it, there's material means there and I understand that for me that concept of bringing money into it really didn't come until I had my manager. For me, it was like, man, I just want to spit the dopest shit ever. I, I, I want like, yo, I want people like, oh, that shit was nice. Like, and and for me in acting, it's the same way. Like, I just want to be the greatest actor that I could be. I, I want to work at the highest level that I can is create work that just lives on after I die. You know, like, I just want, I just want to change the game, be, be an inspiration. And like, you know, it's good, it's good to have ambition but if your ambition is based off a material material gain, that's cool. But what what happens when it's not there? Like if you take away Hollywood, if you take away the money, if you take away all the things, the pretty girls, the pretty boys, you know, the fame, the flossing, would you still do it? Would you do it for free in a cold ass basement that became an art gallery that like, you know, it's, it's insulated, but you're still cold. You can still see your breath. You know, when you're, do, you're doing this monologue for a couple of people, that's like a showcase. Are, are you able to do that? you know, to go through all the scams, people who are, you have to pay all this money so they can be your agent and you don't, and you know better, we're like, dang, this is the way it is. But you realize that that is just the first step, you know, like, are you willing to go past all these things for the love of it? You know, walk in snow to another spot, to another spot, to another spot for the love, get paid $600 a week for the love of the craft, doing eight shows, eight long, long sweating shows like are you willing to do that sometimes they're not sometimes they just want the fame sometimes they just want to be seen sometimes it's about instagram followers sometimes it's just about like you know look at me and that has its place but you know like through time or the concept of time the man-made invention of time it's it, it bear it, it that bears its fruit as well so i think people just sometimes they see how easy it may look and I think like, yeah, I can do that too. And that's a great way to feel about it because you can do it too. But then I think, you know, the cliche is that sometimes people just don't put in the work. And I, I think that's really it. Sometimes people just are, are they, they don't put in the work. And when they see how much work it, work it takes, you realize like, wow, maybe I should do something else. And that, that, that's a blessing in disguise because, you know, they're, they're finding out what's right for them. Yeah. So I, I think it's about just coming in for material versus spiritual. I, it, I was moved by this in a spiritual way. Like, you know, God saved me through hip hop and through acting and then finding him through the craft. So this is something that I've personally experienced and I'm not sure if it's, you know, being a woman or being a woman of color, but, mm. you know, I would be influenced by material gains of just trying to be successful or make, a, make myself known in a way and then I would work my ass off to get there. But mm. then I realized I'm working my ass off. I'm working so hard. I'm in the cold. I'm doing all this stuff, but I don't like what I'm doing. I don't see the value in what I'm doing. Mm. And I, I feel like I'm wasting my time and my skills, you know, because I didn't choose that. 
I felt like, you know, these are the only options I have. Do you kind of get that same feeling where, you know, you don't have as many options, you know, being a person of color, mm. you know, that you're, you, you kind of feel like there's no other choice. Like you got to be working hard and you, if you're not working hard, you're not working at all kind of thing. Mm. That, that be becomes a thing, you know, like, but it's without purpose, everything, I'll say yes to everything, right. um, you know, doing, doing for something bigger than myself. Cause I'm not going to front Amanda, I, riding in a, in a drop top Bentley, you know, uh, 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 past, past the canyons of Italy, you know, going to my villa is a beautiful thing that I think we should all experience. You know, like that, that is a feeling that I find myself daydreaming about. And it's a wonderful feeling. It requires to get into that place that that good feeling requires to staying in that truth and moving the things that do work for you. Like I can't keep on walking in circles, you know, like the things I did before, I can't do it again. You have to be business-minded. I, I completely agree with what you're saying. You know, you have to be business-minded, but then adding being a black person of color, a black person of color, period. But to specify, because I, I can't speak on the experiences of others, but I empathize with it because I see it and I know what it sounds, feels, and tastes like. But being as a black man of color, there is a stigma that if you are not in what they think you are, then they put you in a box. And, you know, being who I am, yes, I understand that I have an attraction. Yes, I know that I look this way and I act this way, that it can become a hindrance for those who want, want me to live in their definition. But it's their definition. It's not the, it, it's not God's definition for me, you know? And so, but those people will be there because they, they can be very cliquish. You know, they can be very like, you know, you're my way or the highway, you know, very tribal mentality. And, you know, sometimes you just have to, see it for what it is and and sometimes your body knows when it's not right like I turned down a part that I it, it just didn't feel right to me in my spirit it was a lot of lines a lot of great acting but it just didn't feel right for me in my spirit but then you know doing things that felt right for my spirit I got an opportunity to my work to to work on a film with someone who's in the industry you know so it's like and that feels right it's hard it's scary as heck but I think having ambition is important you know, always moving forward, always moving forward. You know, being an artist, I think all the best artists are ambitious. It's just that their ambition, it, it goes by their definition. Like, I think with you, like when you, when you were sharing that, like, you know, doing things that didn't feel right, it's like your, your body, you're, you're in the right direction, but your body knows, your body knows, your heart knows. And I'm not sure if I answered your question, but it's, it's really about feeling with me. I think like people define black men, okay, I have, I have, a, I have an anecdote. I had a friend who said she likes me and me because she saw me as an actor and performing at, at the best of my ability at a time. And she said that her, her, her and her family who were white liked me because I wasn't like those other black people, you know? So I was it, was, it was like a Michael Jordan and them niggas over there, that type of mindset. I don't identify with that. I don't identify, I don't connect with that because I am like those niggas over there. Michael Jordan is like those niggas over there. It just so happens you see me in one way that appeals to you. And that, that has been an issue. That has been an issue of how can I be myself? How can I be powerful? How can I be myself, be all of my blackness, all of my love, all of my joy, still not compromise, still not assimilate. So I look at people like James Baldwin, you know, give me insight. I look at people's Ava DuVernay, Mahershala Ali, Chadwick Boseman, rest in peace. Like those people give me insight. <laughs> in my blackness and how to be that way. Um, because people's fear 
people sometimes people come in speak speaking to you from their past and allowing that core trauma from their past to define you and they impose their own fears onto you because they're afraid that you know this black person this black man is going to do something to you when in actuality that's just your imagination so there's a lot of fear and in working with white teachers you know there's this idea that sometimes either one way or another, either you're smart enough or you're not. <laughs> and maybe it's a gray area if, if they're an ally, but usually what I experience is that white teachers want to be super aggressive because they think that's the best way to in inspire a black student, a black male student, or they just, they just brush you off, discard you, you know? And I've seen both, I've experienced both. And it all, it's like the psychological thing that they do. Instead of like talking to me like a human being, has to be just like this manipulative aspect. It's, this is for few teachers, few white teachers, actually, few teachers in general, but it's rampant in arts. Yeah, I think that's crazy that, you know, people look at you doing something that's just completely authentic to you, and then they'll say, oh, but you're different from the rest. And yeah, yeah. why does that have to equate the other? You know what I mean? That's what when, yeah, you don't think that way at all with normal people. And then as soon as you see someone acting out differently, and I think you're right about the fear that people are afraid to see another human being actually living in their authentic truth. Yes. Because then they're like, oh shit, I'm not doing my thing. And there's either jealousy or rage or just fear of like, oh my God, are they going to know that I'm an imposter that I've been living this fake life? You know, it's all about them. It's yeah. And if they realize like, yo, like I had those same feelings. Like when I first started acting, people were like, you should stick with rap. You should really stick with ramen. Like, I think this, should, this is your calling. You should stick with that. You should stick with that. I was like, no, but I'm really feeling something connected with this, but you should stick with rap. And, you know, I had a manager at the time and he was like, you should stick with rap. And the people I was talking to who knew me only in hip hop, just stick with rap. And now it's different. It's like, you know, I didn't know you could rap. I didn't, I didn't know you could do music. It's different now. And I think, if they just knew that <laughs> I feel the same way you feel, but it's, it's that, that letting go part that's hard. You know, some people want, want to be in control. We stereotype that as narcissism, but we all, we're all on a spectrum of narcissism. I have a healthy view of myself, but not a grandiose view of myself. You know, we're all on that spectrum, um, in my opinion. Some people, I feel like I'm more driven by humility and being humble. But even me saying I'm humble shows ego. <laughs> like, you know, like, so it's still, we're still in the, one in the same. And yeah, I don't, I do know my light is unique. I've heard that from people. I've heard people come to me, people who are in the scene right now who are doing great things, say I inspire them to be a greater actor. And I'm very grateful for that. And I, I get that. And I, I'm very thankful. I understand the concept of competition, but I can't compete with another person, you know, like, and I'm not trying to bash, I'm not trying to just go back to religion or, or spirituality, but something greater than me created you. How can I compete with you when that same great thing created me? Like we're all coming for the same thing and we're doing it for the wrong reasons. Now, like in sports, like if I'm Kobe Bryant and you're MJ, we're going to compete, but there's, a, there's an understanding of transference that's happening. It's not like I'm going to crush you if you expose who I am. It's like, no, that you're coming from a place that is really based off what happened in your past. And with stuff like that, because I've been envied, I had people stab me in my back, stab me in my front with a smile on their face, lie, use me to get where they want to go, do all sorts of things, use my kindness as a weakness because they think that's a weakness. But then if I show my lying part, then they're a victim. 
So, you know, it's, it's that, that, that extreme opposite. You know, but I forgive them. I have to forgive them. They're not in my life anymore. They, they did what they did and disappeared. You know, I can't like say, you deserve, I deserve this, I deserve that. Cause it's gonna be like, what are you talking about? You're crazy. I have to forgive them, yeah. you know? So those people, it's hard, but that forgiveness, it's a wonderful release. It's, mm. it's, it's very cathartic. Have you heard of the infinite game? Infinite game, no, what's that? So I think that's what you're talking about. Like, you know, if you're both on, on the court, you know, the infinite game is that the game is going to continue on without you. And that right. the, the players will live and die and the new players will come in. Right. If you think right. of the finite game, like a literal game of basketball, there's a winner and a loser. The game ends and the people continued living their life. Yes. So I think that's, people are so used to material things and the finite game of yeah. like having the game end before their life ends versus mm. living out your life and ending your life before the game ends, which means it'll mm. last forever. Right. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Like that inspiration. That's like that. My friend told me my purpose was to inspire actors. I knew inspiration was a word that I got as an operative word I received from a lot of people. You inspire me. I was like, okay. Like I heard it, but I ignored it because I was thinking. I was thinking from a very negative mindset. Like this, ignoring anything that was good to me as a lie. <laughs> so I thought, you know, like let me just ignore all of that and just continue my craft. But I was hurting myself by that by by doing that. But yeah, like everyone I love. They, they inspire me from men, men, women, those who identify and if either, with either gender, you know, gay, straight, bi, trans, like I'm inspired by all of these people. Like as, as a random aside, I, I looked at ballroom Vogue culture for acting influence by how free the, how free the, um, the Vogues are. Like look, I just love how free and creative they are, like in the moment. And that's like how you are, you should be as an actor. Like you, you risk it all in the moment. You run the risk of forgetting. And like they just go by, and they're telling a story by movement, you know. And I learned so much. I continue to learn so much through just looking at ballroom vogue culture because I I feel that hip hop energy, you know, that free energy, and you know, and and it lives on. Like uh, the the people I speak about, some of them have passed. Some of them moved on from that phase, you know, like. Ava DuVernay, like she, she used to rap back in the day and she was nice. And like in this group called Figures of Speech, she was nice, like dope. And I'm inspired by her, you know, but that, that, that was a moment of time that passed. And, you know, like I love Michael Jackson and Prince and David Bowie. Like those are like my, that's my spiritual tribe. Yeah. I cried like a dog when they passed. I cried like a dog when Kobe Bryant passed because that's my tribe right there. And they're all unique individuals, but they knew it was beyond themselves. It wasn't masturbatory. It wasn't, you know, like, look at me, look at me, look at me. Look, look, look how long my dick is. Like, it wasn't that. It was, yo, I'm going to express myself at, the, at my highest ability, be the best person I could be. And it lives, even if they're not on the earth anymore. And I, I think that's the way it should be. But the trip is, they love it, but they weren't defined by it. They had a life outside of it. You know, and I think sometimes the lesson I had to learn is that my life isn't just acting, you know, like you can take acting away right now and I'll still prosper and thrive because I'm going for something greater. And I give my acting to something great. I give my acting to God and it's brought so much blessings. So, yeah, I think we do it for something bigger than ourselves. Like <laughs> everything is better when we do it for more than ourselves. Like, you know, if, from everything, you know, like from intimacy, from conversation, you know, even interviews like this, like 
where, you know, as an actor, come on, let's keep it real. Like, you know, I'm an actor. We, we, love, to, we love hearing ourselves talk. But when, when we are able to communicate for something beyond ourselves, no matter the length of it, it's special because hopefully it can touch someone. And I think that's what life should be, you know, infinite moments like that in this infinite game, as you stated. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that. I don't think actually a lot of people look at actors as artists, you know, they kind of just mm. look at actors as a typecast character that's just realized mm -hmm. in the human form, you know, like taking yeah. a Disney character and finding <laughs> their physical version of it. So how yeah. do you maintain your true self, you know, maintain staying inspired in, in maybe roles that don't work out for you or, you know, having mm. to play a role? Mm, it's well it's something that I've learned at being being part of this, this acting group I'm a part of the acting class I'm a part of it's like finding the different parts of yourself and you know you have to it's going to sound controversial but we all have Adolf Hitler inside of us we all have an R. Kelly inside of us we all have a Ted Bundy inside of us we all have uh, a Trump inside of us all the people that we look at as other we all have those people inside of us you know we just made a choice in life to not be those people for, for good reason, you know, for our own reason, but to understand that mindset, because you find power in it, you know, you find who you are, because that's another part of yourself, and we run away from that. And I feel actors, in their, in their art form, in their craft, they, you know, I'm using the word artist, because I, I feel like if you look from this perspective, it can be an art, like you, ha you have to embrace those different parts of yourself. Even when it's uncomfortable, even when you don't like the director, even though it's long nights and maybe you and the, your castmate don't like each other, it has to be for something greater. And there's been in moments like I've been in things where I didn't like the other cast members at all, not at all, but I, I, I had to speak for something greater than myself. And speaking for something greater than myself, it allowed that dimension to be expressed. You know, like, so to answer your question, I have to remember that it's, it's bigger than all of us. You know, and I mean, there's some nights I came, like, I was so frustrated, like, I didn't want to do this. I would throw the play or the script to the other side of the room. And then, like, you know, and then I'll put my head down, then I'll look back at it, like, I was like, I'm done with it. But I look back at it, and then I'll walk over <laughs> and just get back into it, because I knew I wasn't done with it. I'll, it was still moving me. But th th those are the motions. You, you get into a relationship. These are all relationships. You all have very hard relationships, but there's always a resolve. And then it ends. And then you realize that, wow, I survived. And how, and how did I survive? You wonder about it, but it was, goes back to why you're doing it. If I was doing it only for money, Amanda, I would have been, been quit. But doing it for something for love, that, that is the string, that thin string that keeps you connected. When everything else is gone and you know, everything else, it, it, we, we all go through that. I feel like I'm now in my place of things are becoming harvested in abundance. But when everything else is gone, you know, that, that's the one thing that love, love can create. And then moving further, for me, I had to, whew, I had to go to God. Because if you took acting away from me when I was not putting God first, I would have been broken. Because I was getting fights, intellectual fights for fights with myself because I was lost. I had to renew my mind because my mind was broken, you know. That's what I needed because I was so broken. I don't know what I'll be doing. I'll, I'll probably still be in the same relationships. I may be successful, but I'll be broken. I'll be a broken man, you know? So to answer your question, I have to put, it has to be love. Love makes it possible. Unwavering love, that strong foundation of love, it gives you that willpower. Yeah, I love that you're saying it has to be above you. And, you know, just to also be 
just real that we all have these bad characteristics in ourselves. We can't just be like, oh no, we're not going to be like that person. And you're right. Everyone has, you know, toxic parts about them. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really interesting. Like a lot of people that I've interviewed on this podcast, I've asked, you know, what is it about being a good man? You know, why do you need to be a good man? And I feel like I've been raised, like everyone else has been raised to be a good man. And if you're a woman, mm. you can't be a good man because you're not a man, wow. right? Wow. So how has, how has that worked for you? Because I feel like I, you know, have always prioritized being a good man. And then my mm. womanness kind of just shows up. And then I'm like, mm. oh, crap. So mm. what is that for you? Wow, that, that, that is... You, you 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 hit my mind with something real like wow that's yeah we, we 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 do program ourselves that way to think in only one one note as the only way when it's we got this whole whole piano but we think in one note wow mm-hmm. okay so you know as a good man for me it was hard because my goodness was ridiculed because I'm, I'm very sensitive you know seen as weak but then i'd exude a level of violence of you know hurting people, you know, being violent, like that energy, where's that energy come from? I don't know. Maybe it come from, my, as Dr. J- Joy DeGrasse says, post-traumatic slave syndrome, I don't know. But for me, it was finding identity, you know, like it's hard, I guess to say not to be controlled, looking at people who are free to be who they were, not being a rolling stone, but, you know, understanding the concept of a nomad, like I'm able to travel. I'm not defined. I don't, I, I'm from DC. I was raised in DC, but if I was from Bronx, New York, <laughs> when I was younger, I used to lie and tell people I was, even though I've never been in Bronx, period. <laughs> and it do, doesn't matter. Like I become that place that I'm at. You know, like when I was in New York going to school, people were asking for directions. When I was in California, people were asking for directions. I didn't know where, where to go, but I helped them as best as I could. It's just I become that place. So I'm using the externals to define me, but who am I within? Who's this that I am within, this person who has his voice, the person who has his way of seeing the world, this person who talks, this person who is sensitive, but, you know, it's not seeing in the place of beta, alpha, you know, that, that very, that spectrum that we, we kind of define men in, you know, and sometimes when I hear good men in terms of a relationship, it's kind of like, a, like, no, I'm not a nice guy, you know, like, like what, what is nice? Is I'm nice because I'm kind to you? I, I might have a falling out. Like, are you still going to define me through this wonderful description of niceness, of goodness? Like, who am I? I, I just step away from them because they're only seeing what I'm bringing out. So they're only going by that. But who am I? So I had to figure that out. You know, I had to embrace these different parts of myself. I had to embrace my identity from romance, my identity intellectually, spiritually. You know, like that to me, I guess goodness is a, is a definition of having peace. And I have peace with myself now. And yeah, so I think my goodness, being a good man is finding peace. Cause beforehand I had a hurricane within, you know, I was going all over the place. I was stressed out. I thought I wasn't because I lodged that so deep down within me, but I was just stressed out, you know? So for me to be a good man, it's having peace within by accepting and not seeing it from the eyes of others. Yeah, I think that's amazing. I think not enough people realize that your goodness is in yourself. You don't need anyone else to prove that. But I've noticed that a lot of men value themselves as good or bad based on 
you know, whether they have a partner, whether they have a wife, whether they have mm -hmm. children, mm -hmm. you know, being responsible in some way. So what has women been in your life? What is What role have they played for you? Well, women, I've been around, I guess what you call alpha women. So being around powerful women turn me on, like from friends, from relationship, those women I'm attracted to. I love strong women, intimidate boys, but you know, like I love strong women. Like I love strong, mature-minded women. Um, so for the romantic aspect, I was always attracted to women who are older than me. Always. I was always attracted to women who are older than me. Like, not to sound conceited, but I felt equal to them. Like the young women that I met, like, I felt like, yeah, you guys are cool, but this old woman, there's a, there's a certain strength, there's a certain foundation, a certain like groundedness, there's a root that's very attractive, very sexy, actually. And, but then on a friendship level, you know, like I also have my mom, you know, not, not, not thinking Oedipal, not like that, but in terms of, you know, like the people I want to be around, like it, it's very influenced by the parent, the parents the pe and the people that you meet. So women that I met in my life come in different arrays. Like the women that I meet that I guess who are attracted to me, I see in their eyes that there's a hunger, like, like you're looking at a piece of meat and that never turned me on. I know for other guys, like if I was even had your eyes, blah, 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 blah. Like, okay. <laughs> And I was like, okay, go, go ahead, bro. But for me, it was never about that. I've met women who taught me how to speak to women, you know, how to keep my cool around women, you know, and they, they were like my mentors and they would carry themselves in a certain manner that was a little, okay, do you like me or do you not? Cause you're kind of doing things that make me think that you do, but yet you're teaching me about things. Like, were you teaching me to be with you or, you know? So I feel like sometimes women sometimes see me in a way of like planning out who I, who, who they, who they want me to be. And that's just a small group. It's not, it's just a few people like who, though the same people talk about control, same group. But then I meet those who are spiritually minded, meet those who are like my sisters, you know, like I can just vibe with and just talk with. Cause I, I don't identify as being a player. Like I'm very comfortable talking with them. I have a lot of women who are friends, but I, I'm not every woman I'm attracted to, you know, like, so, that was, I just find comfort in it, you know, like, yeah, friend zone me because you're already my friend. Like this, I want to be your friend, you know, like this is what I want. And then those who I feel I get in relationship with, sometimes it becomes a, a concept of control. I want to use my love to control you. I want you to only focus on me. I want you to do the da, the da, ta da. And that pushes me away because my freedom is inspired because of you my growth and not, I'm, talk, I'm not talking about sleeping around because that's corny. I'm talking about this being free in spirit. You know, it's because of our love. I've met women who are just my peers. You know, one of my best friends, um, we talk to each other all the time to charge, to charge ourselves to move forward in life because we had the same experiences. But this is my friend. It's not my, my loving wife-to-be. This, this is my homegirl, you know? And Sometimes men, it's kind of hard for us to see different levels. Fortunately, I've, you know, took time to take a step back to relax, to, to see the levels. You know, there's some women that are like, oh my gosh, I need you right now. There's some women like, oh my gosh, you like blew my mind. Like, can I just talk to you? It's really based on my mother. Like, cause, cause I, my mother, you know, taught me how to just to see people as my equal, you know? So I see women as my equal. And in those cases, it comes off a little hard for women who want to define me because I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm not this, I'm not other. I'm not trying to do that on purpose. It's just like, this is just who I am. And that, and that can become a hindrance sometimes. So 
the women I meet are in a spectrum of control and freedom and some in between, you know? So that, that's, that's really it. Yeah, I think it's crazy how much your mother figure can define how your relationships are with women. Like, yeah. because you see it as an equal space, but yeah. most people don't see that equally. So a lot of women are like, oh, do you check all my boxes? Are you going to be able to provide for me? Are you going to be like mm-hmm. man mm-hmm. material or not? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you're just like, why does this matter? Because mm-hmm. we're all equal, right? right. So I think it's, it's interesting because I meet a lot of guys that start offering help. And I always get suspect about that because mm-hmm. why are you helping me? You know, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and then I don't like that I feel that way because maybe they just genuinely, they want to help me. But then after maybe they'll help me for a certain amount of time and maybe, you know, we'll become, you know, good friends. And then they'll be like, oh, well, where's this going? And right. I was like, if you're doing something with the expectation that someone is supposed to give you love back in return yeah. or that you're like owed back. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever experience that? Yes and no, because I've been on both sides because I, I was confused because mm. I wasn't sure if the person I was talking to was a friend because we were getting to like sexual conversations like, wait a minute, why are we this friend? Why are we talking about sex? Like, I don't, like, I'm getting confused. Like, you're complimenting me in a way that doesn't really hear its friendship. Like, there's someone that taught me like about being this woman and she kind of did certain things and manners and how she carried herself like bending down in front of me like in a way that like, you know, like she wants me to do something. Like, like are we, are we oh. still friends? Like, what's really going on? Because she's beautiful, but I'm getting a little confused. Like, you know, I'm simple. I'm simple-minded when it comes to stuff like this. Like, if it's there, I'll go for it. If it's not there, if it's in the gray, like, what is this really about? So, yeah, I, I've been on both sides. I think it's really about our past coming coming into the present. Like, you know, they feel like they might feel obligated. Like, now, like, I feel I just want to be of service. So, like, like I'm in this group with, um, with these uh, models, like, and they are gorgeous, like, fine. Like, they're, like, 11 out of 10. They're beautiful. But to me, like, I see them as my friends, like, you know, hey, if you guys want to like, you know, like this, like different things. And, you know, it's just that. Now, granted, I think there might be a connection with one, but that's just a natural, it's a natural agreement. But I think sometimes guys, because of our mindset and our ego, when we have a pretty girl talking to us and we're connecting with them, we talk, we think it's becoming something. And we, and we can't tell the difference sometimes. Not because of women, like you guys aren't giving me messages. Blah, 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 blah. It's really just like, we just don't know. We just don't know, you know? And sometimes men feel obligated because they just don't know. And it's been one way. And I guarantee you, if you talk about the mother of the past, then you can probably see why they think like that, you know? Yeah. So. Well, I think it's so weird that you said like, you can't tell, you know, like, oh, she's acting a certain way or behaving a certain way, or there's like, you know, certain movements. Mm-hmm. Why don't, what's, uh, what's wrong with asking? Do you ever That's ask? what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like, is yeah. it, is it like, what's, what's going on? Like, what's going on? Like, you know, I think you're absolutely right. I think it was most looking back, like, I should ask like, hey, um, why, why are we, talking about this like I, I don't mind like us talking about you know your sexual relationships and stuff like that like it's cool I can give you advice on like you know how to, to move better but why are you moving your body in front of me like this in this way I felt we were just friends and you know coming from a more mature way but sometimes you just you just don't have the words you, you don't know you have to you have to go through it I, I had to go through it to understand how to how to talk about it now and it's happened like wait a minute like I 
I sense there's an attraction here because you're really pushing me to travel with you to go to New York and uh, have a hotel with you and spend time with you and travel with you. And I could feel that energy. Like, you, you, know, you know, when someone, when a guy, girl, or whoever, like whatever you, your energy that you vibe with, like when they're really pushing on you, you can, you can kind of feel like the genitalia, like beating in your face, like you can kind of feel it. It's like they really want, 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 what's like, wait a minute, what's going on? I, I had to go through that experience first. Be quite honest with you, Amanda, like I, I, I had to go through it because it was the first time I wouldn't know what to do. I wouldn't know what to say. I'd be confused. Like I would not know what to say. I would be lost in the sauce. I, I, I had to, I had to learn the lesson. So now I, now I know how to speak to it. You know? Okay. Yeah. I had to learn. Okay. I, yeah. I want to wrap up with a couple questions. Cool. Um, what toxic characteristic did you learn about yourself this year that you want to change next year? Oh man. Toxic characteristic. I actually, actually, I actually approached it. It's, it's one it's one that I had to face a long time ago. My ability to manipulate people, you know, make them think one thing while I'm doing, while I want them to do the other. Because I'm so nice and kind and so charming. You know, when I tell you to do something, you think it's your idea, but it's really me, really, really me directing you into what I want you to do. That really adheres to your ambition and what you want and you know, what you think you want and where you're going and going through empathy and using spirituality and all that to direct you, not for sex, but to direct you in a direction to keep you in my control. And, you know, so I, I found pleasure in that. I found pleasure in controlling people, controlling women, controlling men, you know, having them like look to me as like, oh, father, what do I need to do? But then I, but then I got broken. I was like, cause that's, that's not me, you know? So <laughs> I had to forgive myself for doing that because there was a place where I was lacking power, you know? So yeah, that was the one I had to face. My love and enjoyment of control, very toxic. Yeah, that's huge. So yeah. now that you're letting go, how are you changing your behaviors moving forward? Um, forgiveness has, has allowed me to just see, has allowed me to change my mindset still offering service to people, but being upfront about it, still doing the same thing, still having the same conversations, but the intent is different. You know, like to be of service means to just like, you know, like doing something, but not wanting anything in return, or just doing something because you want people, like everything we talk about in terms of inspiration is doing it for that. You know, like, like the, I have a friend right now, she gets really nervous with like, you know, acting like in front of people, but she wants to be an actress. Like, well, it takes steps. Like, you know, like, you know, like it takes steps. Like. Just get a monologue, work on that. Just being of service, man. Like really being of service, but not being toxic service. So that that's really it. This being of service has helped. Yeah, I think that's huge. Like the intention that it's not about you and controlling the situation anymore. You're kind of just yes. being here to serve others and whatever they want and however yeah. it is that they need it to be versus your yeah. way, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. So my next question to you is what negative ideas do your female friends have about themselves that you wish could change? Um, every relationship I've been in, it's the different, different perspectives. Every relationship I've been in from intimacy, they feel, they feel an inferior, inferiority in that they're small. They want to change that because I always remind them about who they really are, the truth. And then if my friends is this being used that I'm not good enough. I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm not this, I'm not that. My homegirl I had a conversation with, like she is so connected in the industry, Amanda, like she's a gatekeeper and she's a youngin, she's a gatekeeper. 
really like if you want to move forward, she's the person who can say yes or no because those people that we love in Hollywood, they're following her, they know her name, they're giving her her number. It is, but it came from a place of like being a fighting that place of I'm not worthy enough, I'm not good enough, you know. And like now, yesterday had an amazing event, and now she's like, like, see, I told you, I told you, and you know. But we need that reinforcement, you know, that positive reinforcement because she helped me as much as I, I helped her. Another part is not being used to God, you know, and feeling that you, you have no purpose. And I can't speak for God, but you know, just going to the Bible and going to those, those women, those sisters, like, you know, let them guide you, let them help you. But it's always come from a place of lack, that I'm not good enough, I'm not important. So that is something that, because the, the supremacist structure that we live in, it, it really attacks women in a whole, whole, completely different way than it does men. Like the way it, it attacks your mind, body, soul is so detrimental. And like, I completely empathize with that. And be completely allied to that. So when I hear, because I hear a lot of insecurities, a lot of pain that the world instilled into them, that men instilled into them, that mothers, fathers instilled into them, so on and so forth, you know, and something's going to be so heavy is like, well, if you need someone to talk to, just talk to me, you know, because I can't answer your questions. But sometimes you need someone to vent to. And, you know, like, that's what I do with my friend. Like, she just vents to me like, yo, just what's on your mind? Just vent. I'm like, okay. Okay, what else? Okay, okay. Sometimes you just need that to beat that negativity because it's real out there and, and it's unreal and they're, they're facing the unreal instead of the real, so. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're just so caught up in the unreal that we don't even know what's real anymore. We think we're being real and we're not. And I think that's mm-hmm. huge, like just giving permission to express yourself. And yeah. a lot of us have been holding it in forever, right? Yeah. Yeah. So my last question to you is, out yeah. of everything that we talked about today, what resonated with you the most that you would like to invite another man to elaborate on further in another episode on the show? Um, the concept of good man and, you know, identity of how we program ourselves of good man. I think that's a really mind-blowing concept because we don't think in good women. You know, yes, yes, there is a power structure, a matriarchal, patriarchal thing that we face with each other. But I think what you're talking about is something even deeper than that. It's on a higher level because it's talking about individuality and identity. And I think expanding on that because, you know, not every thug is, you know, like thugged out during breakfast, you know, like some, some, some guys who we consider really tough might listen to, might really enjoy Hannah Montana. They might love listening to classical music and you think they love, you know, gangster or heavy rock or heavy metal, like breaking the norm. I, I, I love that, that, where that question, that, that perspective came from of breaking the norm. Because I think that's the paradigm we have to, that we're changing into, we're celebrating our individuality. So I'd love for you to expound more on that. And inspiration, if I can add another, how we inspire each other, because that's what it's really about. Yeah, that is, yeah. that is so beautiful. And yeah. I didn't even realize that I was coming across to that theme, you know, and I was just like, wait a minute, why is it all this, just one, like you said, one note in the, on the piano, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Sometimes you're, you're an A minor instead of being an A major, you know, like. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right, yeah. right, yeah. So how do we feel about this challenge to redefine what it means to be a good man? 
How much is it about leaving a legacy behind versus being present and living a life of purpose? Can we play more than one note on the piano? Let me know what your thoughts are. And as always, make sure to subscribe. And if you'd like to be on the show or know of someone with a unique perspective, slide into my DMs at Miss Amanda Chen on Instagram. And I'll see you next Wednesday with more episodes of 100 Masked Men.